I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiberfueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant U, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you, whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing. We're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. I think a lot of times people look at cooking as a chore or as something that they have to do or that like they're trying to squeeze it in. And of course, we've all been there, but you know, cooking can just be like a moving meditation. Cooking Mm -hmm. can be a gratitude practice. Cooking can be um, a chance to be grateful for just being alive. I'm Rip Esselstyn, and welcome to the Plant Strong Podcast. The mission at Plant Strong is to further the advancement of all things within the plant-based movement. We advocate for the scientifically proven benefits of plant-based living and envision a world that universally understands, promotes, and prescribes plants as a solution to empowering your health, enhancing your performance, restoring the environment, and becoming better guardians to the animals we share this planet with. We welcome you wherever you are on your Plant Strong journey, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Hello, my Plant Strong pomegranate seeds. I love pomegranate seeds. I want to welcome you to another episode of the Plant Strong podcast. I'm Rip Esselstyn. Thank you so much for joining me. Can you believe that we are already rounding the corner to spring. Spring break is upon us. I literally cannot believe how fast 2022 is ticking by. It is phenomenal. Speaking of phenomenal, today I'm going to take you on a very powerful healing journey. My guest is Bailey Ruskus. At the tender age of 11, she was diagnosed with endometriosis that left her in tremendous amounts of chronic pain, constantly dosed up on multiple medications. And she got to the point where she had exhausted all standard treatments and turned back to the only thing that she really knew and understood, and that was food. And that's because Bailey, who goes by Chef Bay, 
is also a classically trained chef from San Francisco's Le Cordon Bleu. She spent years deep in the grind, working 65 to 70 hours a week until her body just simply collapsed. Nothing about her lifestyle was sustainable until she went back to her food choices and began to study the true healing power of plants. And she literally had to unlearn what she had learned in culinary school. Today, at the young age of 30, she is plant strong, off all meds, feeling vibrant, and is the author of the best-selling book, Cook, Heal, Go Vegan. Today, we're going to go behind the scenes on this chef's life, including her favorite spices, flavors, and meals from her cookbook, as well as tips on how you, too, can start to heal your body. Cook, Heal, Go Vegan is your guide to plant-based cooking for better health and a better world. Welcome, Chef Bailey Ruskus. Today, I have a chef, another chef. She actually came out, was it your first book? It was, Okay. Yes. She came out with her first book called Cook, Heal, Go Vegan in August. And uh, she actually, she sent me a copy of the book, which you can see right here. Look at it. It's absolutely gorgeous. You would not believe every recipe has a full page photo. It is absolutely I want to eat it right up. And then you also <laughs> sent me this really wonderful, nice handwritten note with a little gift bag. So absolutely kind of you. And you say, Rip, you have been such an inspiration to my team and me over the years. Your TED Talk blew my mind long before I was vegan myself and helped me change from being a classically French trained chef to a plant-based chef. That is where I want to start out. I mean, that is um fascinating to me that you you went to what le cordon bleu is that right mm -hmm. yeah in san francisco yep and mm -hmm. why did you decide that you wanted to like get into food and be a chef and all that yeah i mean i like it was all i ever did so when i was 11 i went to work in a pastry kitchen instead of go to summer camp because i wanted mm -hmm. to make money and i really wanted to learn how to make cannolis and I will say that most of my time was spent folding like cake boxes and stuff, but I got like a paycheck at the end of the week. I mean, it was nothing substantial, but for an 11 year old, I was like, this is awesome. I get to work with my hands. Yeah. And so from then I was just working in kitchens. When I was in high school, I worked full time as a manager of a, a bagel shop. And so I was like making bagels at three in the morning before high school. And then I just, I, I need to stop you there, right there. I love bagels. I love hot, warm I know. bagels. I love hot, warm sesame bagels. Ooh, mm, I'm like, like an uh, onion, everything kind of bagel girl. Well, I also like jalapeno bagels. And I didn't okay. until I got down to Austin, Texas. And then oh, I yeah. learned to love the jalapeno bagels. At first, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm like eating a, or I see the uh, the coach of the swim team brought this big thing of bagels and there were jalapeno. I'm like, is that a joke? Is that really, is it a joke? Why would you, anybody eat a, eat a bagel with a jalapeno? And now I like love them, but so okay. Good, yeah. so, so you worked at a bagel shop. I worked at a bagel shop and I was honestly like such a partier in high school. I had a 1.7 GPA. I just like 
didn't really care about like the traditional school system. I wasn't into like the, the politics and the social aspect of school. I just, I was just kind of a weirdo. I just did my own thing. I liked to work. I liked to party with my friends who were older in college. And then by the time it came for me to go to college, my parents were like, well, it's not like you can get into school anywhere. Like you've been a terrible student this whole time. And I was like, yeah, but culinary school accepts everybody. So that was kind of my in. It was basically like, if you can pay, because culinary school, especially the Cordon Bleu is not expensive. It's like a hundred grand. And they're like, all right, well, if you want to take out the loans and do it, then then do it. And so I did it. I didn't know anyone in San Francisco. I had never even been there. I was just like, let's go. So right after high school, I moved to San Francisco and went to Le Cordon Bleu. And what, what was, and so what was that experience like? Was it, was it more than you thought? Was it less than you thought? Was it, a it good- was, I didn't know what to think. You know, I was, I grew up in Colorado. So I grew up in the kind of the country, like 20 minutes outside of Boulder. And so moving to a big city, I was just ready to adventure. I was just like such a wild child that I just needed something different. You know, I always used to say I was like a city girl raised in the country. And so I finally, I don't know, it was great for me, but it was also different for this aspect of that. I didn't really feel like I belonged there, you know, like there was just part of this like French intense chef, like ego driven kind of way of making food that it was really hard for me to get through the whole thing because I just didn't really resonate with the entire lifestyle of what, you know, being an executive chef of a restaurant is. And so I bounced around restaurants looking for kind of my place. And then I ended up just kind of starting my own business as a private chef, trying to be like doing something else other than what everyone else was doing. Cause it just didn't seem healthy, you know? So how long is your education at Le Cordon Bleu? Yeah. So it's really intense. It's like two and a half years, but you basically, the way that it's structured is it's like six week classes where it's a full-time job basically. So it's five days a week, six to seven hours a day. And then you finish the class. You have to like pass that class and then you move on to the next class. So it's basically, I tell people like an episode of chopped, like every single day. And you're just proving yourself over and over and over and over again and refining your skills. So in, in reading the, the intro to your book, cook, Mm -hmm. heal and go vegan. I noticed that you, after I think Le Cordon Bleu, Mm -hmm. you were in San Francisco for like six years. And then you said that you hopped into the hamster wheel and you a fair amount of suffering. Yes. Right. And I love to, I love to hear you talk about, you know, the suffering that you went through that then I think led you to the healing process because Mm -hmm. you, your dedication of your book, you say is for anyone who has ever been told they can't heal. And for those who tried anyway, I think that that's really cool. Yeah. I love that. Um, I love that dedication. It just came to me like literally two seconds before my manuscript script was due. (laughs) I was like, what am I going to say? And then it just hit me. Yeah. Yeah, So I have endometriosis and I've basically had it since I was 11. I started my period like very, very, very young, which I know now is because of all the food that I was eating. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just was in a constant pain cycle from the time I was very young. Like the first time I got my period, I thought I was dying. My parents were like, does she need to go to the hospital? And then kind of that typical rhetoric that most women hear is like, Oh, painful periods are normal. Like you need to toughen up. Like here's like, you know, I was put on birth control when I was 11 Mm -hmm. and going to low cordon blue. I think, you know, that lifestyle just kind of like made my body 
downward spiral. I just, I was hanging on by a thread, you know, just kind of living with chronic pain, not really realizing I was living with chronic pain. I just, as I was told, this was just normal. And so, you know, working as a private chef and then working in restaurants, I was working, you know, 80 hours a week and also living in San Francisco, a young woman in her twenties, I was partying. I was just trying to like stay on this hamster wheel is what I call it. Cause I was just trying to like function. And then eventually my body just like collapsed and I had to move home with my parents, which was very sobering, you know, in your mid twenties, moving home with your parents, but I just couldn't work anymore. I couldn't pay my bills. I was so sick. And a moment of like awakening that I had was I was having all these back problems. Like my left leg would shake. I was just in constant, constant chronic pain that just felt like more than endo because I just wasn't that educated about endo. And most of the doctors that I was seeing weren't educated about endo either. So it was just kind of this frustrating cycle of me. Like I felt like a little guinea pig being put on all these different medications and just being kind of passed around to different specialists. And then I had a doctor tell me that he thought that if we fuse my spine, like three of my vertebrae together, that all my pain would go away. I probably would be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life, but I would like not be in pain. Yes. And I looked at this man and I was like, no, like I am not taking this as an answer. And for me, I was like, okay, I need to get educated and I need to figure out what's going on. And that's when I really started diving into learning about food and like the chemicals that are put on food. And, you know, it's, it's an intense learning because it was a lot of me unlearning what I had learned in school. It was crazy to me that I had paid a hundred thousand dollars for a culinary arts education, but I didn't know anything about our food. So that's kind of like where it all started for me. And that was like a long process of learning and unlearning to get to where I am now. And so what year was it when you made the transition from rich (laughs) animal-based dairy foods to a more plant-strong way of life? Yeah, I love the tag. Um, I don't know. I think... I think it was a slow transition, honestly, like I'd love to say it just happened overnight. And I think, you know, me deciding to go like hard, full vegan did happen kind of overnight, but this transition was slow. It went from me being like, okay, like I'm going to cut out processed foods and then I'm going to cut out like refined sugar. And it was just kind of like a slow learning process because no one around me was doing anything similar. So I felt like I was kind of like jumping off the ledge by myself. And also like, you know, my mom was dealing with with arthritis. My dad was dealing with like really high blood pressure. And there was just like all these little things around me where I just was like, okay, I need to figure this out for all of us. You know, I feel like there's gotta be an answer here. So my big deciding factor was around four years ago, I had my last endometriosis surgery. It didn't go well. There was all these complications. They couldn't like they couldn't describe to me. And I just kind of felt a little bit lied to. And the only thing that I hadn't tried was going like full vegan plant-based whole food, plant-based, no cheats, like no cheese board here and there, or like, you know, have sushi once in a while or whatever. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go all in. And for me, it was really hard for me because I'm a French trained chef. So I was like, you know, I loved brie cheese and Gruyere. And like, I really like, I validated my chefness with that, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And so my husband actually was the one that was like, this is ridiculous. I can't watch you suffer like this anymore. 
we're going vegan. And my, my husband's from Chicago, Midwest, he's like an athlete. And so him going vegan just like shocked his entire, his entire family. Like everybody was like, what is happening? We went vegan one month. I felt so much better. I was able to recover from my surgery. Um, and then within six months I was off, like all my hormone replacements, all my prescription pills, no more painkillers. Like I was a completely different person and just everything. Uh, how long had you been living with the prescriptions, the painkillers, the hormone replacement, all that stuff. Since I was 11. Since you were 11. And so 11 until what? How Until old? 25. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good 14 years there. I know. And it's when I learned about birth control too, it was like my body had never actually been on a normal menstrual cycle because the, you know, the birth control is just, it's, they call it like a pill bleed. It's not even like your own body, your own hormones going through a regular cycle. It's just kind of like a, a fake, a fake cycle, if that makes sense. And so my body was actually starting to like mature and develop and do all these things that it should have been doing when I was, you know, when I was younger. Um, so yeah, it was an intense detox though. (laughs) So for people that don't know, can you describe what is endometriosis? Yeah. So endometriosis is, I mean, they're kind of bouncing around like what they would qualify to qualify it as, whether it's like an inflammatory disease or an autoimmune disease. Um, it's very under-researched, but it's being more researched now, but it's where the lining, the endometrial lining that's supposed to only be on your, the inside of your uterus is also on the outside of your uterus. And it's not, it's like very similar to the same kind of endometrial lining. So when you have your cycle, it basically sheds and creates adhesions and cysts and the cysts can grow and they can burst and it's really painful. And they're now finding that the endometriosis can spread to your lungs. They found it on the spinal cord of some women. Like it's, it's growing out of control. And I actually just talked to, um, Dr. Clapper on my podcast and he was talking a lot about, Mm -hmm. um, like the high estrogen that's in dairy now and how it's like causing things like endometriosis and PCOS to just kind of get out of control. So, yeah. yeah. And tell me if you have endometriosis, does that mean that you then you have the ability to get pregnant? And so it's interesting that you, because I've been talking about this a lot lately. So they've said, no, my whole life. They're like, it's going to be really hard for you. You should have a different plan. When I was 11 years old, they're telling me that I'm like never going to be able to have kids. So don't even think about it, which I think is why I've become super career motivated. Mm -hmm. But now that I just like know so much other information and I know that healing is possible and I know that you can really take control of your life and take back the narrative that has been given to you or been given to me by so many other people, I think that I could, I don't know, I've, I'm 30 now and I'm, you know, I'm married. And so I'm, my husband and I are like, well, do we want kids? Like, we've always said that we're never going to have them because of me, but should we like, see what's going to happen. And I know women who have gotten pregnant on endo. And I also know people who have endo who can't get pregnant. So I think it's just like a flip of the coin. And it's also, I don't know, I think like believing in it and faith and positive Mm -hmm. affirmations, as cheesy as that sounds, I think that that's super helpful too. Mm -hmm. We'll get right back to Chef Bay, but I wanted to share a fun and lighthearted comment from YouTube after my recent interview on the Rich Roll podcast. This listener first heard my interview, gosh, probably four or five years ago when I was on Rich's podcast and he was encouraging me 
to go after the world record in the men's 200 meter backstroke and then heard that I had said it uh, in my follow-up conversation that I had with Rich in January. So he goes on to say, congratulations on your world record, Rip. I'm 59 years young now too. When I was 15 to 17 years old, I swam for the team in my small town. I was never great at it, but it sure got me in great shape. To give you just an idea, my team swam in the town pond because we never had a pool. We had tadpoles in there with us and the water was so murky, they had to paint plywood either white or bright yellow at the ends of each lane. Fun times. I'm just a couple months into serious plant stronging. You, Rich, your dad, and the whole Esselstyn family are a big part of keeping me motivated. So yes, I applaud you for your success. Bless you and your family. I can't even tell you how much I and the whole Plant Strong team love reading comments like these on all of our channels. Thank you to all of you who take the time to share what the Plant Strong show means to you or how learning about the lifestyle has impacted you personally. We read each and every one of your comments, so please take a moment wherever you listen, to like, subscribe, or follow our show so you never miss an episode. Our team works passionately to create resources that will help keep you on the Plan Strong path. As an example, our Plan Strong Meal Planner. Perhaps one of our most powerful tools, the Meal Planner is packed with hundreds of our favorite whole food plant-based recipes that follow all of our guidelines and your membership allows you to curate a personal collection of menus so your family favorites are always at your fingertips. We also have this integrated grocery list that makes shopping an absolute snap, and our meal planning experts are on hand seven days a week to answer questions, to chat about food. You can save 10 bucks off the annual membership with the code Plant strong, one word. Simply visit mealplanner.plantstrong.com today. Okay, let's get back to Chef Bay. I'd love to dive into some food. Yeah. So, my favorite um, thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm just going to start by asking you this. So, you've been into food since you were 11 ish. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get sick of cooking? <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> you know, the, the catalyst for me was the cookbook, like the cookbook. Really? I was just like yeah. so many nights. I was like, we got to get takeout. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think with anything, if we do it too much, it kind of becomes more of a job yeah. than, yeah. but I love it. You know, I, I feel like the most connected to source when I'm cooking, I love I'm like one of those people that loves grocery shopping. I like love mm. new seasons and I love meeting the farmers at the farmer's market. And I just like love the whole process of yeah. food. And yeah, I am obsessed with it, but I have to kind of like take it back and like learn how to go on vacation and stuff. Cause I, you know, work from home. I'm eating all the time. So it's like, how do I not like pick up my phone and like take a picture of everything that I cook or make a recipe of everything that I cook? So I'm 
I'm definitely learning boundaries, but I definitely, definitely get tired of it. <laughs> well, I'm sure that your husband, what's your husband's name? Steve. Steve. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that Steve has tried every one of the recipes in your new book. Oh my gosh. Well, he actually really co basically co-wrote the book with me. He's amazing. So he got furloughed from his job, um, at the beginning of 2020, like most people did. And that's kind of when I started to need help. And then I got the book deal. And so I was just like, Hey, like, don't go back to what you were doing and just come help me with the business. And he did. And he helped, like, we shot all the photos of the cookbook, the two of us. And he's been like, right. Like my, he set me up for this podcast today. Like he's my right-hand man for everything. So yeah. And honestly, if something happened to me, he could cook at this point just as well as I can. Yeah. Well, with all that you guys have been through and the fact that you did the book together and he helped you with the recipes and everything, that's either Mm going to like tear you apart or it's going to make you stronger than ever. Oh, totally. Yeah. We're stronger than ever. I mean, it was, it was writing the book was wild, like mid lockdown, writing the book. We had a lot of family stuff going on. Um, they were actually like tearing apart our deck while they were doing it. So our house was shaking. It was in the middle of the summer. We had no AC. We were like sweating. Like it was like a scene (laughs) writing the book, but we got through it and we grassroots like the whole book launch, you know, we funded everything, all of our book signings and all of like the boxes that I sent you and that I sent everyone that I admire and look up to. And yeah, it was a wild ride, but like, because our connection is so strong, we have such a like intense, like respect for each other. We were able to get through it and we still sleep in the same room. So it's good. (laughs) (laughs) That is so good. Now, So you said that you love shopping and Mm -hmm. that whole experience and going to farmer's markets and stuff like that. Yeah. What do you think about the prepping of food Mm -hmm. and the serving of the food and then the cleanup of the food? Do you even like the cleanup? So Steve, I like, don't even know the last time I did a dish. (laughs) Steve, Steve. No wonder you love him so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't have a dishwasher here. Um, So we have like clients that I sell private chef for. And that like some of my clients live in the most amazing houses. They have like two dishwashers, three dishwashers. So that's like, you know, but here in our apartment, like by the beach, um, we don't have a dishwasher at all. So yeah, that's what Steve's for. No, I'm just kidding. He'll kill me if he hears that. But um, yeah, I love it all. Honestly, I love the whole process. I love like when you cut into fresh herbs, you know, they like release that aromatic smell. I think. I think a lot of times people look at cooking as a chore or as something that they have to do or that like they're trying to squeeze it in. And of course we've all been there, but you know, cooking can just be like a moving meditation. Cooking Mm -hmm. can be a gratitude practice. Cooking can be, um, a chance to be grateful for just being alive, you know, being able to feed your body, being able to learn about food. And I think, especially if people don't know how to cook or they're intimidated to cook, the best way to get over that is to just do it and to just, you know, like try anyway, even if you mess it up or whatever, just keep trying and trying again, because, you know, yeah, it's of course people are like, Oh, easy for her to say she's a chef, but, um, I teach so many people all the time in our classes and, yeah. It's a gratitude practice. Yeah. I think that anyone could love it. Yeah. I find it can be super just therapeutic and relaxing. Yeah. Um, and I know that for example, my wife on the weekends, she doesn't feel grounded unless she, she makes bakes some sort of a, you know, a, a dish. Yeah. Um, 
So for our listeners out there that are trying to build flavor Mm. and it's all about building flavor uh, without dropping the ball, as you say in your book, (laughs) what is, what are some of the best ways to build flavor when you're using plants? Yeah. Well, if you actually think about it, plants are how we build built flavor, even if you are making a dish that had meat on it. So I think a lot of people are used to thinking about flavor from like a salt and fat perspective, where like, if you're eating a meat heavy diet, you're getting a lot of salt and a lot of fat. And those are the only two flavors that you're really consuming. And both those flavors can also be a little bit addicting too. So when you start to kind of move away from that, your, your taste buds automatically have to kind of like readjust for you not to crave like the super salty and the super fatty foods. But I will say that like no one would ever put a chicken breast in a pot of boiling water and like expect it to taste like anything. What makes it taste good is plants, right? And so when we take that same concept and use it towards plant-based cuisine, and I will say being a plant-based chef makes me a better chef. I'm so much better at what I do now because there's so much more to cook with. But you have to think of like all the different levels. You have to think of like sour and umami, which is um, umami is a great example is like seaweed. It has a very umami flavor or like when you eat sushi, when you have like the ginger and the seaweed and the soy sauce, and you can't really describe what it is. That's, that's umami. Mm-hmm. So you have sour, sweet, which can come from citrus. Um, and that can also be sour or sweetness can come from dates or can come from so many different things. Um, you have spicy. I think people are so afraid to cook with chilies, but cooking with chilies, even if they're not spicy can uh-huh. add like such an epic level of flavor. Like poblanos. Are you talking like poblanos or those, those are not chilies. Those are peppers. Yeah. Peppers, chilies, peppers. I'm kind yeah. of talking about it, but also like hot sauce too. Like I love throwing hot sauce into like a marinara or something like that. Just a little bit mm. to where it kind of like heightens heightens the flavor to where you're not necessarily tasting the spice. Um, and then from there, like spices, like, oh my gosh, I think so many people are afraid to like bulk up their spice cabinet. Cause they're afraid they're never going to use the spices, but I think it's so important to have a, a stocked pantry full of spices so that when you're cooking, you can play around with them and get really comfortable using them. Well, and then let's just dive into that for a sec. So spices, yeah. what are if you could only have 10 spices in your spice rack. Oh, I love this. What would they be? Okay. Um, I would have to go with cinnamon as the first one. Really? The first one is cinnamon. I think cinnamon. I I never would have guessed that. Okay. Why? Um, Well, because it's great in matcha and I'm such a matcha-holic. Okay. (laughs) It's my husband's favorite spice and it's good in sweet and savory dishes. So like... You can make a doll with cinnamon or a curry with cinnamon, or you can put it into a dessert. See, I like cinnamon. My second one would be granulated garlic. So granulated. Granulated, huh? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So granulated garlic is actually better than garlic powder because it's not like ground to such a fine um, powder. So it caramelizes better. So it's just a much better cooking um, thing than garlic powder. I just intuitively like the, uh, the, the granulated. I didn't know why. Okay. That's why there's a reason behind it. And it actually has more garlic aroma. So it's just garlicky and I love garlic. So that would actually probably be my first one. Let's be real. And then I would do cumin and coriander. Well, so is that, is that three and four or is, are you combining those two? 
Uh, three and four, four okay. and three, whatever. The two right. of them together are a match made in heaven, though. So whenever you're cooking like Mexican food, you gotta have cumin coriander together. Nice. Um, and you can do cumin seeds and coriander seeds, and you can like grind them up if you want, or you can just do powder, whatever mm-hmm. works. So yeah, mm-hmm. so we've got. And then I would probably. What say do you two- do? Do you do the seeds or the powder? Depends how lazy I am. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but if you have the seeds and you want to crush them up, it's a little bit more better. Of a- it's Better. fresher. Okay. You get just more of the flavor. You like, oh. you get more of the aromatics, more of the flavor. Um, and then I would say turmeric. It's definitely Ooh. another one. And what do you, is that because of the, the health benefits or is that because you actually like what it does to your food? Yeah. Multiple things. So I think turmeric is great for making things yellow. <laughs> so like if we're doing like a, Migas uh, speciales. yeah, like whatever, if you want to make okay. something yellow, it's great for that. Um, I also just love making curries. So a curry without turmeric just tastes off. Like there's something just off about it. And also the health benefits of turmeric too. I buy like huge bags of turmeric and put it in whatever I can. So, yeah, you know, you know that Dr. Michael Greger snorts turmeric every morning. No, he doesn't. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I literally, I just, so I just had him on the podcast too. And yeah, he's on like a treadmill. So a treadmill was, we were talking. So I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if he would do something. Like that. <laughs> no, but he's such a fan of turmeric. I wouldn't be surprised if he's snorting it in the morning, but yeah. Right. I know. I feel like that would hurt. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, okay. Turmeric's so, a good one. So how many is that? That's five. You got five more to go. That's five. Okay. Are we including like herbs or are we just doing spices? No, you can do herbs in there. Absolutely. So you don't, so, so you don't even have black pepper in there yet. And you even talk yet. about that in your book. Yeah. Well, black pepper, I feel like salt and pepper are just a given. Okay. Okay. Well, those I'm, you just have to, it's like, but, you can't even, it's like, you don't even have a working stove if you don't have but, salt and black pepper. But, but <laughs> then there are they nine and 10 then? Okay. So, okay. So salt, I, I really like to use pink Himalayan salt. I think it makes, um, it makes the food taste very specific in a way that I really like. And I think a lot of people who taste my food to say it tastes like different than anything they've ever had. And I think it's because I use pink Himalayan salt. What's the um, difference between pink Himalayan and a, um, like a sea salt, a, a magenta, um, Korean salt. I'm just making stuff up right now. Oh, just, I was like, I, I don't know. Well, pink <laughs> Himalayan salt comes from like, like big, like, you know, salt blocks, like pink Himalayan they're like mined. I actually don't know how sustainable it is, but I get like huge things of pink Himalayan salt. I will say though, the other one that I really, the other two salts that I love are black salts. Yeah. I love black salt because it has that sulfur eggy flavor. So I put black salts in like fried rice or, um, what else? Like on top of avocado toast. Does it have a little smokiness to it? Yeah, It's like sulfury and smoky. It depends where you get it from. So I love the black salt from Hawaii because it's, it comes from like the lava. Mm. Um, so it's really nice. It has like, so it just depends. It's sourced from all over the world. So wherever you get the black salt, it will have a different flavor, which is really nice. Okay. And then I also really love flaky sea salt for desserts. Okay. Okay. I love a good flaky sea salt moment. Okay. So we're, so we're at six now because I'm including the salt I'm the pressure, including on. the salt, the pressure's on. Okay. I'm trying to like, just like go and I've said the ones that I pretty much use all the time. I really love, what um, about, want me to throw out something to help you out? Yeah. <laughs> what about chili powder? Chili. Thank you. Yes. So I love like a mixed chili powder. I actually love to get the fresh kind from the Mexican market mm-hmm. in bulk. So I'll get it. And it always tastes a little bit different. And then I would say smoked paprika is a really big uh, one too. Yeah. I love the smoked one over um, 
any other one. And then um, I really you know where that also- comes from. You know where that smoked paprika comes from? No, it comes from Hungary. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little town, little country of Hungary, ten million people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow, so- I didn't know that. Uh-huh. I'm learning things. Um, and then I would say I love garam masala, which is like an Indian spice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, like herbs, like oregano is one of my favorite. Uh, that's ten. That's ten. I'm gonna have to stop you there. Okay, okay. Because, okay. like, because I want to get into so many other. Oh yeah. Right now. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on from from spices and herbs to seeds. Um, yes. Between like flax, hemp, chia, do you have a a, a favorite? I love um, hemp seeds. Hemp are my absolute favorite. I have a hemp cashew milk that I love. It's in my cookbook. Um, there's something between the cashew and the hemp put together. That's just so delicious. And I feel the best after I eat hemp seeds. They're so high in protein. They're pretty like, like nutty in flavor. I also put them in my um, walnut Parmesan too. I really love that. I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah. It's so good. I'm literally staring at it right now. And, and your ingredients are walnuts hemp seeds, nutritional yeast that didn't make the top 10 list on your spices. Yeah, I could take it or leave it. Okay. Well, list, golly, look at that. And then you got <laughs> garlic powder and you got salt, but that walnut Parmesan sounds like that is an essential item in a, in oh. a plant strong kitchen. Oh my gosh. I put it on everything. It's so good. And it lasts forever just in the dry storage, which I really like too. Really? Um, even, mm-hmm. even, even with the walnuts that oxidize so quickly you can put that it doesn't have to be in the I fridge guess, i guess yeah i mean for us it lasts maybe like a week i would say but oh i mean we, I, okay. we eat it so quickly yeah. okay a week i i hear you there i thought you meant like you could have it in there for a month or two no i mean it's too good to like not eat it <laughs> <laughs> well you don't know our house well you know i'd make a quart of the stuff and have it in a little okay container. okay then yeah you should put it in the fridge for sure okay, okay. yeah but i love the walnut parm it basically tastes like a craft like shakeable Mm-hmm. Um, you know, okay. parm cheese, but but like way better than that. I love it. Ooh, yeah. So good. hemp seeds, hemp are my favorite. Uh let's talk nuts. Do you have a favorite mm-hmm. nut? Um, yeah, I would say my favorite nuts, the cashew. You know, they talk about how cashews can be antidepressants, they're like a natural anti-anxiety, nature's Prozac. Um, and I just feel really good eating cashews, but I've been doing a lot of research on the um farming practices of cashews in most places. And it's not the most ethical by any means. And so I've been looking really hard to find ethically sourced cashews. And I know that Thrive Market Online has ethically sourced cashews. Um, so that's something I'm kind of like uncovering thanks to TikTok and all the people who like give me, to give me, an, give me an idea. Cause I'm very much in the dark when it comes to yeah. ethically sourced cashews, where are most cashews like grown and, and mm-hmm. what's the abuse that's going on there? So from what I understand, so cashews are grown in warmer climates and a lot of cashews that are, are come from India. And there's this, it's like this poisonous kind of outside of the cashew that can burn your skin. And so a lot of, um, the workers in India are actually, it's kind of like a slave labor from what I understand. And it's actually really harmful because their skin gets burned. It can burn their eyes. It can, it can cause people to go blind if it's not done in like the proper way. Um, and so that's something I'm learning about is how like 80% of the world's cashews come from India from these practices. And since I use cashews in so many of my recipes, I'm kind of like wishing I knew this information sooner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's really good to know. 
Um, what about nut butters? Do you have a favorite mm. nut butter? Yeah. I just love like a really good homemade creamy almond butter. Like there's nothing better than that. Cashew butters, of course, like cashews. Um, but yeah, like I'm literally staring at a fruit bowl right now that has almond butter on it, but I just love it. Especially homemade almond butter. There's nothing better than that. Cause all the, like the natural oils of the almonds get like slowly roasted out and then you yeah. blend it. Yeah. Um, super good. I'm, I'm just like a peanut butter guy. I'm you just, are. Oh yeah. Give me just peanuts, ground peanuts. And I, that I'm off to the races. I love that. Mm, mm. Um, all right. I'm just going to kind of go through some others here. So, you know, one of the things that, that we ask our audience to do mm-hmm. is to try and eat a serving of green leafies, like a fist size serving of green leafies mm-hmm. with every meal every meal, even breakfast. And yes. I'm wondering if you have a favorite green leafy that you like to prepare and, uh, what that might be a favorite green leafy that I like to prepare. Oh my gosh. I don't have a favorite. I mean, I used to be like a diehard spinach person. Um, but eating too much spinach is actually not that it's not good for you. You have to like switch up your greens all the time. And so I like to pack my smoothies with, you know, kale and spinach and, Um, then I try to have just like a side salad of like a mixed greens every day. Honestly, this sounds so boring. The way that I eat is actually like not that exciting. (laughs) Um, but I love kale chips. It's actually, I love to sprinkle like crispy kale chips on top of like a walnut bolognese or something. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I am, I have this new obsession with broccolini. I'm like obsessed with roasting broccolini in a cast iron pan with like white balsamic vinegar. I'm obsessed with it. It's like crunchy and so, so good. So, so, so for our, for our audience, because, you know, we, we, we try and stay away from cooking with oil, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so yes. many of our, so many of our listeners are, you know, they've had a shot across the bow with heart disease or cancer yes. or, you know, diabetes. And so, mm-hmm. um, any, any recommendations for when you're cooking without oil? Yeah, and plenty. Best way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like cats, you just have to think about how you're going to add flavor to it. So I think like using vinegars is really great citrus. And also just like a splash of vegetable broth is like such a great way to kind of get that mm. lubrication on the pan. So for instance, when I cook broccolini, I'll heat up my cast iron and then I'll splash it with um, like just a little bit of vegetable broth and a little bit of white balsamic vinegar. And then I'll just Ooh. sear the broccolini and it's so good. Yeah. That sounds really good. I actually just did an Instagram post on Brussels sprouts. Mm. I love Brussels sprouts and I love searing them in my cast iron pan on the, the barbecue. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, really getting it hot and going to town and I actually use garlic and pepper, a little bit of salt onions, um, in there. And, oh, it's so I love that. Yeah. And I think like cooking with oil can be really overwhelming at first. And I know in my cookbook, I have like small amounts of oil in every recipe, but I also talk about how you can just replace that with something else. Um, and even if you see like a coconut oil or butter in like a baked good, and you really want to make it, you can just swap that out for a nut butter and use like almond butter or something instead. And it will turn out just as good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I know that under your essentials uh, <laughs> chapter in your book, you yeah. actually have, along with the walnut Parmesan, you have uh, about seven or eight different items, but one of them is your immune, immune 
boosting veggie broth. Yes. Uh, and we love veggie broths. We actually yeah. have a whole line of veggie broths. I know you do. It's awesome. <laughs> but, but, but tell me about yours. Cause I noticed that you actually put in the garlic with the skins, the onion with the skins. you put in everything in the kitchen sink in there. Don't you? Basically. Yeah. So I think my concept of veggie broth is to inspire people to have less food waste. And I think we waste so much food, so much skin, so many carrot tops, like so much of that just goes into the garbage into the compost if they're lucky. But like I live in an apartment in San Diego, there is no composting situation here. And so for me, it was just a way to inspire people to use their food waste in a way that's going to be boosting their immune system, something that they'll love, something that's not repulsive. And cause I've seen a lot of really bizarre food waste recipes that like, I just can't get into, but a vegetable broth is really easy. You just save all your scraps. And I would avoid using like broccoli, or cauliflower, any of the cruciferous, oh my gosh, I can never say it. Cruciferous, thank you. The cruciferous vegetables because they make a stinky broth. Um, But other than that, I would just add add everything in the kitchen sink in there. Do you ever ever put beets into your broth? Um, not really. Cause it will change the color so much. So depending on then I'm like stuck with this pink broth. So, um, well, like, a, no a golden beet, a golden beet, a golden beet. Yeah. I do put golden beets, like the skins, I'll wash the skins and I'll put them in. And I actually have gotten really into using butternut squash skins oh. in my broth. It's so good. It makes it just like a little bit sweet. It's super good. Yeah. Ah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a favorite squash that you like to make? Because there's, there's a lot out there right now. And there's a lot of squashes. I love, um, you know, that, think. you know, that kabocha squash. Kabocha so- squashes are really good. I've been really into honey nut squashes this season. Uh-huh. They're like a little mini butternut squash. Hmm. I love them. And they're kind of hard to find. I just kind of started experimenting with them this year. I actually have a, um, a recipe on my blog. That's basically a, a roasted honey and caramelized honey nut squash that has a salad. That's like a vegan feta pomegranate seeds and mint on the top of it. Super good. Yeah. I, um, I've never heard of honey nut squash. I've heard of honey nut Cheerios, but yes. <laughs> it's new. They're like little, they look like little mini butternut squashes, but they're more Brown. So they're like more of like a goldeny Brown color instead of more yellowy orange, like huh? the typical butternut. Yeah. You mentioned pomegranate seeds. My youngest daughter, Hope, who's seven, every time we go to the store, I have to buy two or three uh, pomegranates. Yeah. She loves tearing into those. And it's always such an ordeal. And it gets everywhere, those little seeds in the juice. But it oh is. Oh my gosh, fun. it does. You got to check out my um, my TikTok video where I teach you how to de-seed a pomegranate. And there's no water needed. Like it's really easy. People overcomplicate pomegranate wow. seeds. Well, yeah. well, it's funny because I, I watched one of those videos. And so we kind of like we take off the top and then we flay it and then we take no, a, a that's spoon. That's not the way. <laughs> we hit, hit the seeds and they're going all over the kitchen. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. There's a million ways. All right. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to go. Where where do I go? If I want to check that out, what's your, what's your handle? My handle is um, at chef underscore Bay. So that's TikTok and Instagram. I've been like loving TikTok lately. I've been posting way more on TikTok. I don't know what's come over me. Um, But yeah, I mean, TikTok actually helped the book become a bestseller overnight when I had a video go viral and people just freaked out over it. And all of a sudden I just like got all these notifications that like my book was a bestseller in all four categories on Amazon and it held there for like a couple of weeks. So really great. 
Yeah. So yeah, love TikTok yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. What's going on with TikTok? I don't even, I don't even know how to do much on that TikTok thing. <laughs> TikTok is the easiest way for creators to grow. I think that Instagram's algorithm is just not, I don't know. I think for Instagram, you really have to pay to play. And TikTok is just, they just want really good content. You know, they want people who are passionate, who have good content and it doesn't have to be as like, I would say Instagram's very all about the aesthetic of the page. And like, you know, you kind of have to have a, a whole thing where TikTok, it's like, they want the most authentic version of you. And like, they, it's just, it's so much easier to grow. It's so much easier to go viral. So if anyone's listening and they're frustrated with Instagram, I would say like, go over to TikTok because there's so much more, there's so much more going on over there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, all right. I want to wrap up. Yes. I'm going to give you four different scenarios. Okay. And I want you to tell me what you'd make for each one of these scenarios. Oh, fun. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like the top 10 spices. <laughs> okay. So you are throwing a party mm -hmm. and it's just going to be you, your husband, Steve, mm -hmm. and you're going to invite who do you have a favorite musician? Um. I mean, right now, not really. I used to be like weirdly obsessed with, I can't believe I'm going to say this, like Rihanna. Like I just mm -hmm. used to love Rihanna. Oh, she's great. Yeah. She's okay. the best. Yeah. Okay. Let's say it's going to be you, Steve, and she's coming over for dinner. What, okay. are, what are you going to make her? And you don't, and you don't get to like call her ahead of time and ask. Okay. Her yeah. yeah. I'd probably honestly make, um, the deep dish pizza out of my cookbook. <laughs> not the deep dish. So it's a I saw that and it looked absolutely delicious. I would make so it's like dish. a, it's a Chicago style deep dish, huh? Yeah. With a spelt crust and there's like a house-made mozzarella, um, like mm -hmm. peppers and onions. And there's also the Italian chopped salad, which is in my cookbook too. And I would, I would probably make that and then I'd maybe serve like my, um, mocha chocolate cake or something, or the Dolce de Leche popsicles are really good too. It all sounds really good. Okay. You are alone. Steve's out of the house. He's gone to visit yeah. some friends. It's just you. What are you going to make for dinner? For dinner? Um, I've been really vibing with this ceviche recipe that it's so good. It's like half coconut milk and half lime juice as the kind of marinade. And then there's like cucumber and jicama and lots of avocado and pinto beans and hearts of palm. Um, it's so delicious. So I'd probably make that and just snack on it throughout the night. And do you, and do you snack on it? Would you snack with like uh, tortillas or chips or anything like that? Or yeah. I like to get the tortilla chips from the Mexican market here. They're just, there's literally nothing better. Um, but I also really do like the siete, like grain-free tortilla chips. If I'm trying to like be a little more healthy because the corn tortilla chips in Mexico market are not the healthiest thing ever. No. Um, but for, also for, you could yeah. put them on like a tortilla, yeah. um, like a cassava tortilla or something and just eat them, eat it like a taco too, or like on a salad, like make a ceviche salad. Yeah. That's whenever mm -hmm. I go out to Mexican restaurants, I always ask them to give, bring me instead of doing the big bag of chips. Yeah. Right. That you can just, just tortillas, just bring me steamed yeah. yeah. Corn tortillas. Mm -hmm. And I just use those and, oh, I love them. So good. Especially if you get homemade tortillas, there's literally nothing better than a homemade tortilla. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what about, it's just you and Steve and you guys just want an easy, comfortable meal. It's like comfort food. 
Mm-hmm. So what there's you- there's two that we usually go for. So the first one is the Chana Sog. We love it. Um, mm-hmm. And the gluten-free non-bread, it's so easy. So the Chana Sog is great because we're talking about getting greens in. There's like four servings of greens in the Chana Sog because it's just like tons and tons of spinach in the sauce, but you would never know. So I love that. And I also love my walnut bolognese. I'm like such a pasta person. I love brown rice pasta. So if I'm feeling lazy, I've had a really long cook day. I'll just make, um, like my lazy version of the walnut bolognese and with like tons of mushrooms and walnuts Mm -hmm. and yeah, tomatoes. And I love it. Tell me what's, what is your go-to favorite breakfast? Honestly, I love like a low sugar green juice or, or that's what I have every day or chili killies. If I'm feeling Chili Killies. What's that? Chili Killies. So it's a recipe in my cookbook, um, but it's basically like chips or tortillas smothered with, and this is the vegan way to do it. I'll do like a, a salsa verde. And then um, I have a mushroom carnitas that I'll put on there with like a tofu scramble and then like my cashew cream. And it's the best breakfast of all time. <laughs> Right. So no oatmeal for you. No, I hate oatmeal. I can't, I can't do chia pudding or oatmeal or anything mushy or like bananas. I like, can't. I hate a mushy texture. Yeah. I need like crunch. So you, Mm -hmm. so you don't like, so your least favorite fruit is a banana. I literally haven't eaten a banana in like 10 years. I can't, I can't do it. That's wild. It's great. I can't even watch people chew bananas actually. Cause they smack. (laughs) <laughs> they, you mean you don't like the way their mouth smacks? It just like everyone eats a banana the same, and it just what? I just can't watch it. What about so? <laughs> does that mean you also don't like like? Uh, I like plantains. Uh huh. But what what about guacamole? Love that, guacamole. Okay, because that I mean it's also of, savory. Yeah. So I think it's like the sweet mushiness. I just I'm not into. I love guacamole. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Bailey, I am blown away that you don't like bananas. That's <laughs> I like I, when, when somebody tells me they don't like a mango, I'm like, really? What is it? How, how do you not like a mango? It's so funny because I like everything else. Like I'm not a picky eater. I will eat anything in the plant-based world, but I just cannot stomach a banana. And I, it's so funny because I had heartburn. We were traveling in Mexico. I got super bad heartburn and all the locals were like, eat the banana. And I'm like heaved over with this crazy heartburn. And I was like, I can't do it. Like I was like, eat the banana and not have heartburn or have heartburn, not eat banana. And I had heartburn. Yeah. How are your mom and dad doing? My mom and dad are doing great. My mom is like venturing to go. So my, they've both been pescatarian for the last uh, three years, which is so yep. huge. Um, and my mom is looking to give up dairy this next year. So that's like a really big thing for her. So well, they're doing like, good. And you've yeah. had a big influence on them. Obviously they must be thrilled with all your success. And yeah, and, yeah. totally. They're also very annoyed by how much I like push them to go vegan, but um, <laughs> like, come on, you, here's a podcast. Listen to this. Like, here's a book you could read, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they're super proud of me. And I think they always saw it in me, even when I was a crazy party girl mm. back in the day, you know, it's been, it's been a long time since then, but yeah, they've always stood by me and they were showed up for our big book launch party, like, and surprised me. So they've, they've been, I'm really lucky with my parents because they've, 
you know, it's been a a rocky road, but they've stuck by me through all my surgeries and just everything Mm -hmm. that I went through. And I don't think I would have been able to do it without them. And I just want them to live a long life. And so I'm really like, you know, and when I'm like, if I'm just being aggressive about the vegan, just it's only because I love you the most out of anyone. So, yeah. 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 It can be tough with people that you really care about and love and Mm -hmm. you want them to embrace this and, and understand it. But, you know, unfortunately everybody kind of comes to it at the, you know, when they're typically when they're ready for it Mm -hmm. and you can't, you can't force, force feed it to anyone. You really can't. Yeah. I've had some people that are very close to me that, you know, never embraced it and, and, um, have unfortunately died, uh, of chronic Western disease. Right. Yes. As we know is very much in many cases, preventable and reversible. Yeah. I mean, me too. All my grandparents, I've had uncles and aunts die prematurely. I've had friends die of overdose. And it's just, I feel with my parents, I'm just like, you guys can be super healthy. You can live a really long life, but it's also like a a mass unlearning. Like you really have to unlearn and convince yourself and you like, you're so right. You, you have to be ready to make the change because you know, that's how you go to sleep with every night. You're, you're right. You, it's it, there's a, a certain deprogramming that is necessary. Yeah, and there's all these excuses. Oh well, I deserve this, or oh well, this is fine. Like, I mean, if you think about it, like, got milk was an advertisement in every single school. Like, is the only allowed advertisement. Like, we were literally programmed and trained to think that this stuff was good for us. So, it's so much unlearning, and you know. I'm, I'm obsessed with the food and I'm upset. I'm like so involved, but it's just part of their life. It's not their whole life. So as we're shutting down here, I'm going to read something that you wrote in your, uh, in your, in your book that I really like. You say the reality is we don't need a few people doing it perfectly. We need millions and millions of people trying their best and doing it imperfectly in regards to people basically going vegan plant-based, however you want to refer to it. You want to comment on that at all? Yeah. I think, you know, of course everyone thinks of the vegans as like that one angry vegan that they went met that one time or whatever. But I think when we're talking about environmental impact and creating compassion around the world that we live in, the people that we live next to and the animals that walk this earth, I think it just starts slowly and you just have to go slow. But I think if everyone starts to make little changes the impact can actually happen and it will be much bigger than just the impact that you make on your own life. It'll be an impact that you make on the people around you that get inspired by you. It'll be an impact on the amount of water that you'll save from having that plant-based meal or, you know, the animal's life that you save. And I think, I think once we have compassion for ourselves, that it's okay to do it in imperfectly, then that's when the compassion can kind of like spread outside of ourselves into everything else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Beautifully said. Thanks. Okay. Final thing. How did you get your name, Bailey? It's my mother's maiden name. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So she said if she ever had a daughter, she would give me her maiden name and then take my dad's. So, so yeah. And then I became Chef Bay, like uh, cooking on this retreat. It was like a New York Times bestselling authors retreat, actually. And uh, I was cooking and they were all like coming up with titles for their next bestselling book. And they were like, "Mm, you need to be something other than Bailey. So they named me Chef Bay. And that was like five years ago. And it just stuck. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah. Never heard the first name Bailey before. Really? Really? I never have. 
No. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No. Yeah. I had a fire instructor who was chief Bailey. Always, okay. Okay. Always, always scared me. <laughs> Everyone always says like, oh, my dog's name is Bailey or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Chef Bay, Bailey Ruskis, thank you for being on the Plant Strong podcast. Everybody, here is her book, Cook, Heal, Go Vegan. It's gorgeous. And um, check it out. Thank um, you so much. Hey, and I look forward to being on your podcast. When yes. Sense the Plant Remedy. It's so good. I would love to have you on. Um, yeah, we're wrapping up recording for season two. So if you want to pop on for the season, just let me know. and Let's make it happen. Yeah. Okay. Before we go, anything that you want to share, how people can find you, anything yeah. that you're excited about? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I have an online membership where I basically teach people how to find pleasure and healing through cooking. Um, and so that's called Cook Vibe Heal. It's on my website, www.chefbay.kitchen. Um, and just my podcast, my podcast, The Plant Remedy. It's so fun. I started the podcast recording voice memos on my phone and now I'm all set up. So we've come a long way. Um, but yeah, the podcast has been great. Like I've mentioned, we've interviewed some of my like all-time idols this season and it's been the best thing. So if you, you know, if you love this podcast, you're looking for another one. Mine's called the plant remedy. Um, and yeah, and other than that, just Instagram and stuff. And I just want to say that, like, if you're looking to find pleasure in food, you can do that and still be able to heal your body. You don't have to give up pleasurable food to heal. Like you can have them both. And so that's what I really wanted to like hone in on. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, my plan strong sister. Thanks. Hey, ready? Peace. Turn it around. Engine two. <laughs> Keep it plan strong. Yeah. If you're looking to find pleasure in food and still heal your body, you can do that. You don't have to give up pleasurable food in order to heal. What a reassuring lens and perspective from Chef Bailey Ruskis. Thank you so much for listening. And be sure to let us know how we can help you heal. You can find all of the links and resources from this episode and much more on the episode page at plantstrongpodcast.com. I look forward to seeing you next week. But in the meantime, keep it plant strong. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Anne Cryle Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.